The following is presented by Lanier Technical College, Concept One Pulley Systems, and Year One Classic Muscle Car Restoration Parts. Hit it! Hang on, you're now part of the fastest podcast on the planet, Bud's Garage Overdrive. Produced in the studios of Jacobs Media, located in beautiful downtown Gainesville, Georgia. On today's show, more snacks across the USA, Toyota takes on Tesla, and Carlos Ghosn is in the news again. Plus, special guest Joe Steinmetz, the keeper of the nationally known Milton Robson Car Collection. All that and a whole lot more in Forbes of Automotive Buffoonery, right now with Bud and Tim. Let's kick it in overdrive. Welcome in, folks. This is Bud Hughes, resident car nut, and Tim DePasquale, upholsterer to the stars. Tim, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Bud. How are you today? I'm doing good. <laughs> yeah? Are you sure? Yeah, we got the I, timer on? You got, got, it's actually I, running I, I, and everything? I know. I know. We're in, a different, we're in a different studio today, and Bud's got to keep track of time, mm-hmm. so anything could happen here. How about snacks across America? I was at the Atlanta Motor Speedway this past weekend for the big race. Uh, good time, other than me breaking my toe, mm-hmm. which had nothing to do about being around race cars. How did that happen, Bud? Getting out of the shower. I stubbed my toe. Oh. <laughs> oh, it had a little step-in shower thing, and I'm not used to that. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So you'd now, have to I, actually... I am used to taking showers, but I mean, I'm not, I uh, wasn't used to the... the so you don't wear your glasses in the shower, uh, no. evidently. No. Okay. Anyway. Well, and you don't look down either. No, sorry. Anyway, anyway I just made... We'll have to get it's, you some steel toe shower shoes. Uh, it's all right. I, I've hobbled around... The last four miles or so was my see, adventure. Yeah. It's good because I'd walk like 15 miles before I did that, you know, mm-hmm. walking around the facility. But uh, it, it was cool. You know what I didn't realize was going to go on this weekend? It was an anniversary for Goodyear Tires. Mm-hmm. Whoever won the race this past Sunday, and I don't even remember who it was. We had another adventure going on uh, by the time the race was ending yeah. called Rain uh-huh. and Get the Stuff Out of the Rain. Um but whoever won the race in the NASCAR race was the 2,000th win for Goodyear Tires. Oh, wow. And you're talking about the at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Atlanta Motor Speedway. Mm-hmm. Oh, the folks there were great. Saw oh, yeah. Brandon there and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, caught up with Kyle Petty and Larry McReynolds and some other folks. Wow. Have and are going to be on the podcast. Okay. The future, so. Rubbing elbows with yeah. the high and mighty. Yeah. Go, bud, go. But the, the, the snack, the favorite snacks at the racetrack were... Yes. We've been talking about favorite snacks all month. I should, uh, you know, let people know about that. We started with July about different snacks in different states. Mm-hmm. Well, pralines are the snack of choice in Georgia, apparently. And uh, they had, the, you know, they had the pralines with the cinnamon on them and okay. all that stuff that you could buy. And kettle corn. I know kettle corn's not an official snack, but I well, love, I love no, kettle corn. You know. Well, you were talking about uh, earlier in the day, we were, we were chit-chatting. You were talking about Vermont. They got some severe weather going on down there. But oh. when when they're not you know when they're not flooded, what is what's a favorite snack in Vermont? Oh Lord, uh, you had to, <laughs> I'd have to let's see I'd have to look that up. It's under the V's in it's, your in uh, your uh, uh, in your state guide that you have there. Yeah, mine ends at at the S's. At oh no, here we go, Vermont. Um, hot maple drizzle, hot maple syrup over freshly crushed ice. Or you could use snow. Then you twirl the sticky syrup onto a wooden pop stick. Serve it Vermont style with a plump cake donut and a pickle on the side. There's no way I'm eating that. 
That was a pickle. That, that's where my if wife you, is from you, there. No wonder. No wonder. I, I should have read this before <laughs> I met her. <laughs> if, you'd, if you'd stopped me at the, at the, the ice and the, the maple syrup, I would have said, wait, just right there, let's put some bourbon in it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, okay. that's interesting wow. stuff. You yeah. know, I, I was thinking about, uh, I heard a commercial coming in uh, uh, into town last week, uh, and it was, it was about old commercials. It was a, mm-hmm. a podcast I was listening to. And remember the San Francisco's treat? Remember oh, yeah, rice aroni. Rice aroni. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Funny the how San they, Francisco. I don't, think, I don't know what the, what is the official food of California? Didn't the you? official snack food is guacamole. Really? Yes, of course it is. You knew that, bud. No, you know what I thought it was? Mm. At least in San Francisco, Fruit Loops. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right, let's hey, carry wash that down with some Bud Light. Yeah, let's get away from the... Oh, gosh. Let's get away from the snacks and, and the Bud Light for sure. Okay. Carlos. Carlos is in the news. Your Carlos, Carlos. Gone. Tell us what he's up to. Well, now. the former CEO of Nissan and Renault is back in the news um, because now he has a lawsuit. He has filed suit in Lebanon against Nissan and two other companies and 12 named individuals of crimes including defamation, slander, and libel, and fabricating material evidence, which is true. You know, uh, it's unfortunate that Nissan executives had to attack Carlos Ghosn personally to prevent French government interference in a Japanese company because what was going to happen with the, they were pressuring him to get into this merger, Renault and Nissan, the French government being socialist, the way they have it set up is at some point uh, they would have control of the Nissan stocks because that's how they control their stock market. So when they've got enough stock, they, you know, uh, percentage-wise, then they can control the company. And, of course, the Nissan, the, the Japanese people, did not want the French to have any control over their company. I get that, but I don't understand why the only way they thought they could get around it all was to attack Carlos Ghosn personally, which they did ruin his life. And if he does win the lawsuit, I'm sure they're going to tell him, yeah, just come to Osaka and we'll write you a check. <laughs> Probably Where not. he is still a wanted man, by well, the way. What's he going to do with a, a billion dollars in Lebanon? Well, I don't know. I mean, they have ruined his life. He'll never, he'll never work in the car business again, I'm sure. Maybe as a service writer at a Lebanon car dealership. Yeah, 500, <laughs> he's got $588 million. Are you thinking he can make it up as a service writer? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe. It's, wow. That is a commission position, you know. That's <laughs> Commission position. Oh, jeez. Oh, boy. I'll so, you. you go, Carlos. We love you, man. That, that is crazy. Any any news on when the movie's coming out? Who's going to be in it? No, I haven't kept up with now, all from that. From the picture you see there, who would be your actor you want to put in there? Oh. You know, the picture who was in the papers. That's the Washington Poster. Yeah, One of those I don't know. He does look like toity a... things that you read. He looks like a actor of some sort. I... He does. He looks, you know, he's got the right shirt. To, mm. Ed Asner. There you go. <laughs> well, maybe not. Ed's no, no. not around anymore. But it's a shame if, John Saxon isn't alive anymore. Oh, there you go. Okay, maybe. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. Well, dedicated hot rodders cover a wide spectrum, but generally it's folks like us that keep the movement going. It's also folks like Kevin and Randy Red and their dad, Daryl, 
Founders of Concept One Pulley Systems. They keep hot rodding going with a selection of custom built pulley systems and accessories for your Ford or Chevy engine and chassis combination. Custom designed and built in their coming Georgia location. I use their systems on every car that I assemble. And let me tell you, the fit, the finish, it's perfect. There's no guesswork. They've already pre-fit the stuff if I want a custom compressor, if I want a custom power steering system or a custom alternator. It's all available by just calling them, explaining what you've got going, and, you know, talk to the people that are actually making the parts. They eliminate scrounging around the junkyards, trying to cob together things, making stuff work, putting it together and finding out it doesn't work, and all the things that we've all all run into when we're building cars or putting custom projects together. Check out what they've got or give them a call. Concept1PulleySystems.com Okay, bud. So what do you think about this Toyota tackling Tesla? I think that's an interesting tagline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know that uh, that they're tackling them as much as they're improving on their design. Right. Maybe uh, taking their recipe and putting a few more of their touches into it and and baking the car that way. What's, what's your take on it? Well, they're doing what they have always done that they kind of lost sight of for a little while, which was taking good ideas and taking them apart and then improving on them. So they recently, since now they too have joined the electric vehicle revolution, they're coming in kicking and screaming, but, but they are joining. So they purchased several Teslas and then disassembled them and they were shocked, literally shocked, to find out how they were put together and, and how far Tesla had advanced the production of the automobile because they came from out of the woodwork with their, because they weren't a traditional car company, they Correct, weren't yeah. following any kind of old leads. So things like gigacasting and using a gigapress to take uh, the entire rear assembly of the car and make it into one piece instead of making it out of 80 pieces. And they say that, uh, just for example, that one thing can now be done in a few seconds where putting all those pieces together took a few minutes. And when you're talking about a production line of automobiles, that's huge. So now they are taking these lessons that they learned from taking a Tesla apart, and they are going to use them to build their own electric cars and make them even better. And it's not just the car that they're, they're focusing on. They're focusing on, like you said, the factory, the production itself, mm-hmm. the gigacasting they're doing. I think Tesla does it in one piece. Toyota's doing it in two pieces, the front casting, rear casting. The battery pack is in the center as part of the structure. Yeah, that's also the way Tesla is doing it. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I was thinking they were making it in one one big piece. But anyway, Toyota is going to start doing this, and they're going to actually have the cars, instead of going down assembly lines, as we think of some way of moving the car, mm-hmm. once they, they get the car to the right right phase of production, right. it's going to drive itself to the next stage to be worked on. See, now that would make an interesting book right there would be if someone from Nissan hacked into their production facility and made those cars go crazy and drive them up. (laughs) 
the, the well, you, I that's, guess you could. Yeah. It'd be like you know, Christine. Mm-hmm. Toyota's oh, version. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. But they're coming out with a lot of new batteries and stuff. And I've got actually got a uh, a article on a, a battery now that they're they're, they're touting 900-mile range, 600-mile right. range. Uh, you know, we're looking at only one or two years out on some of these batteries. They've got a solid-state battery, uh, which is a 20, 20% increase over the lithium-ion batteries. Uh, they have a bipolar battery that they're producing. Well, they must have got that from my ex. No. <laughs> No, 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 no. The bipolar battery has the positive and negative on the same plate, if you will. Okay. I don't understand all how that works. works, But, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I was wondering if you, you know, what if your battery didn't want to be charged that particular day? That would make it bipolar. (laughs) (laughs) Anything for any stretch for the humor portion of it here. But I think that it's really worth seeing. uh, they're, They're talking about vehicle development leads. Uh, taking only 20 to 30 months, mm-hmm. which used to take 5 to 10 years, right? as we've been told by other car manufacturers. So, mm-hmm. uh, very interesting to see what's going to come out of that. Well, it's going to be very interesting. I, I personally, I think that there, I mean, this, this solid-state battery thing is what everybody is trying to gain on. And even Toyota, they, they don't have it yet. They're saying that they're working on it, and by 2027, 2028, they, maybe they'll have it all but once one of them gets it they'll all have it oh yeah i mean it's you know it's good it's going to be once it's out there it's out there Mm -hmm. some good news from general motors Uh, general motors has gotten a head start on talent for new cars uh, you know as they as they come out uh dealership technicians 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 are in short supply that's what i meant to say and they have had some very good uh Rates, they're at a 10-year high right now in their training programs Mm -hmm. uh, of new technicians. Their program has got 360 to 450 students a year, and it's part of a two-year-old marketing campaign, uh, Bring Us Your Talent. And uh, they allow the the young people to come in, work in the shop, obviously, working on GM stuff. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about this is, when you're when you're being trained by the actual manufacturer, and they've got the latest and the greatest and everything, the right. cars, the tools, the techniques, mm-hmm. and as long as you're going to be working on those types of vehicles, you have to come from a automotive um, program, like a high school program or something like that, where you know the basics, and then they'll take you to the next level. Well, and according to this article, they are sponsoring these candidates at uh, technical colleges and then plus that allowing them to work in the facility, in the GM dealerships. Is, uh, do you think Lanier Tech might be involved in any of that? Well, we were approached from some manufacturers, mm-hmm. uh, uh, not so much on the motorsports end, but on the, uh, the regular automotive training end. Right. So I'm going to delve into that. I'm going to have their automotive instructor on with us and see what relationships they've built with some of the uh, manufacturers because that's the way to go. You know, oh, let, yeah. let the school provide the brick and mortar mm-hmm. and have the uh, the manufacturer bring in the, the stuff. Well, do you think, Bud, uh, from your experience, do you think that once we go to electric vehicles, I'm saying 10 years from now, sure. and there are not... Uh, internal combustion engines involves that the vehicles will be easier 
problems will be easier to diagnosis if they are only electrical problems? Will the diagnostic equipment be simpler to find faults with what exact circuit lies the problem? I, I think what's going to happen is you're going to see more and more of this module stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like you're going to try to trace down a wire in a battery pack. Right. You know, like you could do right now on a on a on an internal combustion car, you might have something in a circuit that you got to trace down a wire or something. I, I don't see that happening with it's going to be plug and play on the new cars, mm -hmm. the electric vehicles. You know, you're going to have specific things that you test, and it's either a go no go chart. Right. And if it's a no go, it goes back to the manufacturer. Wow. And I, that's what I think. Okay. You know, you're not you're not going to be trying to figure out what's wrong with an electric drive mm -hmm. unit. It's going back to the manufacturer. Because, you know, what's, what frustrates the technicians at the dealerships now is the diagnostics. Yeah, the diagnostics will drive you crazy. Right. Because one thing will affect it. was bad enough in the day of carburetors and things. If you don't understand what's going on, something as small as a vacuum hose can throw a, a, a kink in the whole process. Mm -hmm. And you have to understand what affects what and what the outcomes are. So I think you need some basic knowledge first of cars and what's going on. But you're going to have to have some basic knowledge of electric cars. Right. So it's going to come from the high schools to the tech schools mm -hmm. to the dealerships. But I really think that some of the, the major things in the, in the electric cars is just a matter of slide another one in place and send that one back to a manufacturer or a rebuilder. Okay. Because I think, you know, somebody that specializes in electric motors, send them an electric motor and they can... You know, they can take it apart and fix it, and oh, sure. you have a reman immediately. Mm -hmm. um, and it's usually a lot quicker than I would think of an internal combustion engine. I would think. So, you know, could, And a lot less messy. Well, I don't know. I don't know about all that. Depends on how these electric motors are put together and made. But oh, right. Well, we'll find out. Oh, yeah, I guess we will. Well, uh, you used to be able to learn stuff about cars from your dad or your uncle out in the driveway. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you did your own stuff, your own repairs. And so you got to know your way around tools. And maybe if you grew up on a farm, you got your way to you know, know your way around tools and, and mechanical things and that. That stuff isn't available as much as it used to be. No, it isn't. So before you, you know, get involved in, in going to a dealership or, a, you know, a, a manufacturer or something like that, the best way to get some basic knowledge is automotive technology training. And Lanier Technical College offers it at two campuses in Dawson County and Barrow County. And you can get an automotive technology degree. You can get an automotive technology diploma. And you can get certificate levels in chassis technician, climate control, electrical and electronic systems, which is a very good thing to have nowadays. Engine performance. Uh, engine repair and transmission and transaxle uh, specialist. And right. these also kind of coincide with the ASC certifications that you need. You can't come out of a technical college with an ASC certification because you have to work in a dealership or the manufacturer for so many years before you can take the test. But this is a huge head start. Mm -hmm. So before you, you know, jump into a scholarship program, perhaps, you could use, a, in Georgia, if you're a resident, you can use the HOPE grant or the HOPE scholarship right. to take this program. But uh, industry scholarship that's offered by Ford or GM or, or uh, Mopar, before you jump on that bandwagon, make sure that you've got your ducks in a row as far as knowing one end of the car from the other, and how the systems work with each other and independently of each other. 
And the automotive technology course at Lanier Technical College is a place to get a great start. Oh, yeah. And you can be from in-state, out-of-state, and they'll take care of you well. You'll come out and be welcomed by the dealer when you have this level of training uh, because it takes a load off of them. Oh, sure. But this, if you combine it with dealer training, which most of the dealers have special programs you go to, it's just a, a double whammy of success. Sure. So and check if you, this. If you've got a heart for working on oh, cars, yeah. Yeah. coming out of a school gives an employer, such as myself, sure. the the idea that he's not wasting his time because Correct. You, you have uh, spent your time and your money to learn the basics, and that's important. Absolutely. Check that out at LanierTech.edu. Well, today's guest was an old student of mine back in the, my high school teaching days auto shop. And what an amazing story he's got to tell because after high school, he went on to manage one of the largest, probably best-known car collections in the country, uh, that of Milton Robson, who uh, used to live here in Gainesville. And that would be Joe Steinmetz. Joe, welcome in to Bud's Garage Overdrive. It is Thank a you for thrill, having me. It's a thrill to have you here. Thank you. Uh, I've gotten to know you as a, as a student, gotten to know you as an adult. Uh, you're a fine young man, got a great family. And uh, it's, you know, it, it's, just, it's just good to see your students move on. Uh, nothing I did had anything to do with where you are right now. Um, but but it, it was great to have people like you back then. Well, I, I appreciate that. How long have you been doing what you're doing? How, don't remind me how long you've, it was that you were in high school, but <laughs> how long have you been doing what you're doing? And, and how, did, how did you make the transition from you know, graduating high school to what you do. Yeah, well, the gentleman I work for now that you're talking about, Milton, I've been with him over 20 years now. Mm -hmm. Wow. And, but before that, I was raised in a salvage yard, junkyard, what everybody's known Mm -hmm. for, you know. My father, when we first came to Georgia, um, he worked for a place called You Take It Off. So you can only imagine the, the things back in the, let's see, that would have been late 70s, 80s. Yeah. So... It was just a great place to be as a kid because you got to oh. go through cars, check things out. Um, my coolest thing was going through the cars more than taking them apart. But, you know, and I still do that today is go over to the junkyard where my father still works and go through cars, look at things, you know, uh, get ideas for hot rods that you may build or new stuff because every new car has so much that people don't see. Mm-hmm. You know, unless you're going from dealer to dealer and looking and really researching, you just do not realize these new model cars, how unique or cool. So you, you, this junkyard that your dad had back then, he still works at? He actually, they, they closed that one down, and that is actually a Gainesville salvage disposal. That's actually okay. a place that they sell the cars now. Right. So it actually just got converted, and he's over on Candler Highway. Okay, so he's he's still in the... The junkyard business, as we used to call it, correct. Where you're taking cars, cars apart. How did how did the cash for clunkers affect them? I mean, with the older cars and stuff like that, some of the stuff is getting hard to find oh, parts it was, for. It was horrible. That was the worst deal ever that somebody could ever come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found that out later. But good motors, good parts, good transmissions. It took about two or three years to play catch up because of it getting gone. Yeah. So then you had that really dry spell for a few years, and then it came back around. But it really took a, 
about a 10-year span to get it all caught back to, I guess, the normal. So That's those, how bad that it When those vehicles it. were taken off the road, you were not allowed as a as a salvage yard to take the parts off of them to resell. They never came to a salvage yard, so be it, as we're talking about. Everyone got put in a storage lot facility. The dealers would put a special chemicals in the motors, transmissions, things like that. They would actually destroy them and make sure that they were destroyed. Wow. It was a, I, I don't know if it was a government thing that they made them do that or what. But they were actually destroyed, set up, and then they went to the crushers. So you didn't go to the salvage yard. You didn't get them. They went straight to a crusher. So it skipped the salvage yard altogether. So, but with all those vehicles having been taken off the road that in other times would have wound up in a salvage yard, this is what created the dry spell Correct. for several years. Oh, man. So those, those, those cars that were built during that period, and we're talking about the Monte Carlos, the Cutlasses, on the GM side, the Monte Carlos, Cutlasses, stuff like that, that that's a whole period of history that we can't recreate or, or remake those cars, uh, so there's a scarcity of Correct. them. But I will say, you know, for the most part, in that age when that happened, it was what I would consider your Ford Explorers, this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Things that people knew the value wasn't what the dealers would actually give them. Um, I did see a lot of that going on, which was kind of a, you know, a joke on our end because, you know, they would do the deal for somebody, go out, destroy their car, and then come back and say, oh, wait. Your credit didn't go through. You know, where's my car at? You know? oh, Guess what? You know, that really happened almost oh several gosh. times. Several oh times. Gosh. Because it took, sometimes if they did it on a weekend and they thought something would go through, well, didn't. They took the people's car in, set it over there, did their due diligence to it, destroyed it, whatever. Yeah. Um, it, it might have taken them a good while to take it to salvage, but they actually had holding lots at these places. Yeah. Because I know several of them, um, at one time, they tried to get a gentleman's car back to him, and they fired it up to bring it back, and it's super loud. Of course, you know, converters. So people were going over there to their lot where the car was sitting to be uh, destroyed and, and stealing the converters stealing the and things. Oh, man. And uh, I think that might be where all this started with the converters and stuff and really got it so popular mm -hmm. because so much of that they found out was worth so much more money, money versus yeah. the other. Right. We didn't have that big problem before the cash for clunkers and things for some odd reason. Mm -hmm. But really, seems like after that, it, it kicked in. Huh. Strange. I mean, only because <laughs> I've been on that side and you see it. You yeah. know, I know guys that are in the, what I call the salvage um, part of it, meaning your crushed stuff and things like that, not your junkyard parts. Mm -hmm. The... When it comes in, it goes straight into a crusher. You know, they don't right. sell parts, don't sell anything. It's all for metal. Man, I'm, I'm old enough to remember the days. We, we used to go to a place called Crazy Ed's, and, and Crazy Ed was owned by Ed. And, you know, you told him what you wanted, and he, you know, he pointed you down which row, and you took your tools with you, and you took it off. And don't do that anymore. That was the best, though. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, I, yeah. I remember as a kid, the, the one car, at you take it off. Everything we had was old stuff we yeah. had english fords metropolitans this mm -hmm. that and i remember a chevy 2 which we know what those are worth nowadays oh gosh yeah. chevy 2 from the firewall back was perfect i used to sit in that thing and play with it and do stuff and just have to where you learn to drive cut right. things up trash stuff you know yeah that was it and it was slap full of that 
But I remember one of the gentlemen that worked for my father, he had went down and cut a quarter panel off because back in the day, you know, you had torches, this, that, and the other. Yeah. You didn't have the good stuff you have now. So let's fire off this quarter panel, you know. Yeah. The grass catches fire. Yes. One oh, car wow. pops the other and the other and the other. Before <laughs> long, you're losing half the yard. You know, you're having to pile them up to yeah. uh, keep, keep your place, you know. So how did you make the transition? How did you run into Milton Robson and, and what you wound up doing to this day now? It, it was actually funny. Um, the gentleman that bought Milton's original home and place he kept his cars was Bob Johnson. He's got a phenomenal collection as well of just the coolest salt flat, hot rods, um, super fast stuff. He's into that that kind of stuff more than a stock, you know, mm, appearing or a, sure. a one of one like Milton. But um, I was at a car show one time and Bob had this 40 Willis supercharged Gasser, airbag back in the day, yeah. bad boy, yeah. brings it, dumps it on the ground, gets ready to leave, won't rise, won't do anything, can't do anything, it's stuck on the ground. So I said, hey, <laughs> l- let me take a look, you know, so I get in there, pop the back seat, you know, fix it for him, get it going, we get talking, I go over to his shop and start fixing a few other things on the side for him. So one thing led to the other and he wanted me to come work for him. So uh, we were going to actually go that route and Milton had a few of his cars at Bob's being worked on. So it ended up, um, just didn't work out between me and Bob. And Milton was like, hey, come on over here and help me with this and you know, come work for me. And that's where it started 20 plus years ago. And but you know, it's, it started from the hands-on, you know, being in the junkyard, knowing how things, you, you look at something and you, you, if you don't know how it works, you figure out how it works and you Correct. make it work and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. One car that had been sitting there for six months, it's a 93 Aston Martin wide body, one of 13 brought to the U.S., wooden crank, run. So I was thinking, well, it's broke now. They won't know if I didn't break it or if it, if I get it running, it's a plus. If I don't get it running, they'll never know. Right. So I right. said, let me just jump on it and try it. Yeah. Fuel pump, fuel tank, piece of aluminum because it had 800 miles on it, I think, back at the time. And it was like 20 years old. Had a piece of aluminum where it was built brand new. Something simple like that. Took it apart, fixed it. Ran like a top. But you knew what to take apart. Correct. You knew, you know, you know about... gas and spark and your necessities. Gas and spark, compression, you got to have all of that or it ain't going to run what, no matter what it is. Correct. So, wow. Even with the new stuff today, I I don't touch, you know, um, newer cars or things, but I'm one of those guys where if I see somebody broke down, I don't, you know, keep going. Uh, We can be eating dinner out somewhere or something and, you know, I'll leave the family and walk outside to jump them off or do whatever because people just go by and don't help you know yeah um sometimes it's so simple you can help them out and it's just that's just my joy you know it's a thing that i've always loved and i do for my church or people that are broke down or something problem i'll just sneak in there fix it don't want nobody know who did it here you go it's fixed yeah you know just a passion that I Let's love. Let's get his phone number. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> We're always in trouble. <laughs> so you, you meet up with, with uh, Milton Robson. Uh, tell us a little bit about his background and whether that, whether that played into, you know, were you, were you nervous working for a guy like this? Or oh, absolutely. The cars you're working around are phenomenal. I mean, they're just machines. They're just nuts and bolts, but 
oh, I'll tell you a story. I, I go to work for him, and I'm there maybe a week, maybe two weeks. He's got a 32-packer shovel nose, one of, I don't know, maybe five that was in existence. He makes a hot rod out of it. The Packard Club is like, you know, frowns on him for taking this, but he did no body modifications, but it was actually the most beautiful car actually in the books, magazines, everything back in the day when he built it. It was just, he still has that car today. It's incredible. But, um, so anyway, he had this old jack and this, that, and the other. And I said, look, you know, I can't be jacking up these, you know, half a million dollar rides with this, you know, old jack. You know, I said, you know, I, I get it. I've got old stuff, but I just don't feel comfortable. Oh, well, let's go. You know, so we go to one of the local parts stores and grab one and a few things. So we come back and I'm jack it up and I reach over to grab a jack stand because, you know, I always make sure I got stands and I no more turned around, heard something, wham, look back and jack's on the ground, the running board's bent and I'm like, oh great. Oh, that was quick, you know, this job's over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I get looking and, and of course it wasn't my fault. I jacked it up and the people that built the jack didn't get the C-clip into the cylinder and it popped out. And oh, the wow. jack just come to the ground before I could even grab the stand to stick it under. You know, Milton's like, hey, wasn't your fault, man. As long as it's not your fault, don't you worry about it. You know, hey, accidents happen. We'll just fix it. That's what we do. Goodness. We fix, you know, good we thing you weren't under the car. Things. Yeah, that's Correct. right. Yeah. And um, so that, that really helped break the nerves. Sure. There. Because um, that was his favorite, his baby, as this, that, and the other. Him and his wife did all the polishing of bolts and nuts at nighttime. Um, you can imagine a gentleman that, that that was so successful like that and at nighttime on a grinder and polishing wheels because you didn't go buy the chrome bolts back then. You didn't go buy this, you know, right. slick-headed, so you had to make them all. So him and her polishing their own bolts and nuts, and I think huh. that's why that joy for that car is so his number one. And how, how hands-on was he uh, with his cars um, back then, at, at first? yeah. Back then he did a little bit... Um, more than he does now only because he's so busy still doing things even though he's sold his business sold things i mean he's there before i am and still there when i go home you huh. know he the man you know is always working he loves it says you know like he says this is what he wants to do even though he's retired he still enjoys going to work doing what he wants to do now whether or not it's looking on the internet and finding new rides because back in the day we had to go drive places and look Mm. Nowadays, with technology and the things out there, you get burned occasionally. But when you know what to look for, um, you can really do a lot of research. Because he's a one of one, one of this. And you know where those cars are when you're a guy like him. You've mm. done the research. You, you, you've been waiting for this one to come up available. You know, and he can, he's been lucky enough to be able to do that at any time. He doesn't have to worry about you know, well, I'm going to have to wait and sell this like we would yeah. to buy this. Right. It's like, yeah, yeah. hey, yeah. I'm going to wait for this. I'll take it, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. So do you have to go and physically look at the cars, though? I mean, you can see a picture of something that looks clean and shiny, and but to we know. We used to do that a lot. And, yeah. But lately, um, there's a few new websites out, like Bring a Trailer. Um, mm -hmm. We actually posted um, a car on there ourselves. 120, 130 pictures is what they want. They want every corner up under it, wheels, tires, every single one. 
you have to do a lot of detailed stuff and they'll do the write-up. If they see something wrong, they'll tell you. They'll say this. They, they really make sure that what somebody's buying is what it, what it is mm-hmm. um, with a somewhat of a guarantee. They got a small you know, oh, window really? there with that, making sure, hey, that they didn't fib about this or that. Mm-hmm. So you got a few websites that you can do that and be kind of careful. But the, for the most part, it's worth the money. Fly out, look at it yourself, do whatever, because there, there's just too many people out there that know how to make something look good on the Internet. But uh, Right. Well, yeah. and we, we see and the results yeah. of that, where people have bought something online, had it shipped in, never physically touched it until they had already paid for it and had it in their possession, and then to find out that there's some problems well all cars have issues correct correct. i don't know that there's any vehicle that you're going to buy that doesn't have a few little things that need to be done but when you're talking about some major problems that might go unseen until especially when you're looking in a car and you know hey i don't mind changing this or that or making it my personal touch but Mm -hmm. for the most part like an interior or a paint or something like that. Even on the interior, sometimes you can go to somebody like you and say, hey, will you modify this a little bit for me? Make it my personal thing. Right. But for the most part, you don't have to go in there and spend 25 grand and gut it. Exactly. Um, but the paint is the most important. Paint jobs nowadays on a high-end car like that start at around 20 grand and can go to 50. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, you're nuts. I'm like, I used to think that, I said, but you really have to look at the time and effort that right. they put into it and supplies and what yeah, it costs the price and supplies. Yeah. Goodness yeah. is, I mean, just to paint a car now, you know, that 2000 bucks for the clear in the paint. Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, there's no way. I was like, okay, yeah. you, you go buy it, bring it to me, and then this way we'll put it on. How about that? You yeah. know, this way you know what you're getting. The last car I built for myself, the paint was like 800 a quart. Yes. That's nuts. I mean, I used to, you know, when I was a kid, you'd go down to the, the parts store, you'd paint a car for, you know, less than 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. You could paint it in your garage with, you know, with the old fog gun and stuff, and then buff it out, and, and you know, it's all changed. Now. Yes, that you Nico got, commercials are gone now. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, no. right. No. <laughs> I think I've seen one of those in, what, 10 years? No, <laughs> no, that's true. So... You're dealing with you're dealing with high high end cars. When you talk about an original car, and you're talking about the paint, and you're, and you're talking about original markings when it was assembled and stuff like that, who, how in the world do, does Milton keep track of this stuff? Or where do you go to find out, you know, that a Chevelle had a yellow, you know, crayon mark, you know, in the transmission tunnel so far and far, you know. Correct, and, and, and a lot and, of it is yeah. just the research. It takes so much research to check something out correctly, and these people that have matching number this or that, you know, there's a lot more to a matching number than just hey, it's got a block that that matches. You know, a lot of right, people yeah. think hey, that you know that that's a right block. Well, say it's a right block. Don't say it's a matching number because matching number means my distributor matches, my carburetor matches, my this matches, this matches. Wow. Milton was doing a 69 Judge Convertible Ram Air 4. It's a one of five, only black. It was bought new here in Gainesville, Georgia. It ended up out in Arizona. A uh, big Pontiac um, distributor of parts ended up having it. Milton purchased it, and one of uh, his buddies that's restored a lot of high-end cars for him um, built the car for him. I didn't do that when I did a 71 for him, but the 69 Gilberts did. 
But I remember Gilbert coming over one day to get a check for manifolds and a carburetor and thing, small things like that. But over the years, he would always collect parts, put things up, do stuff. And I'm like, man, I remember. So I go back to the back shelf. He, he had that huge barn and all the parts. So I get digging and see, oh, Ramir 4. I get looking, find the numbers. Not only did I find the numbers, but I found one of the five. Wow. Don't know which one it was because it wasn't ours, but it was the other one of the other four and um, of the carburetors. Finished, done. It was already built. So while they're talking about that, I said, oh, by the way, I found the manifolds as well. Let me go get them. Ram Air 4 manifolds, you know, you're talking 1500 bucks for the correct, right numbered stuff. Holy cow. That stuff is incredibly hard to find matching number of the right car. Right. You know, 69 Camaro, big block, this and that. It's so duplicated, so done. But in Pontiac world, they have the original fish. Um, they, they called it the fish. Um, they were the little things that, that every VIN number, it would tell what every car was from right. the factory. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Pontiac has that. So you could run the VIN, know exactly what your car had, what it came with, what it was built with. So it was really hard to fake anything on mm. a Pontiac like you can a Chevelle or a Camaro or Corvette. They were actually had everything for Corvette at one time, I heard. And there were so many people that bucked it that they never did put it out there for people to buy and, and put it on the market because they were so afraid that people would get away from it if they found out that their cars would be not right or, you know. So... When we're watching these, uh, like a Barrett Jackson or a Mecham auctions, and you know you watch the vehicles that go through on Tuesday and Wednesday, and they're twenty thousand, thirty thousand, and you're looking at a lot of really nice cars that appear to be, and then Saturday comes along, and you're seeing cars going through the moon on prices. Is the difference that those cars that sold at lower prices were put together? and might not all be matching, and the ones that you're seeing on Saturday are the ones... No, it's that the had, scotch. It's the scotch. Yeah, it's I, the that scotch one, that's yeah. what I wondered, if <laughs> yeah, that was an alcohol-fueled <laughs> frenzy. But no, actually, though, your, your early, what I call your early Tuesday-Wednesday cars and your Sunday cars are just not your... Now, they'll throw a few in occasionally here yeah. and there, and people have to do their homework when they're waiting for it to come up. Um, and go in the line so you don't have to sit there for 10 hours and mm -hmm. wait for a car. You kind of get a general idea when it's going to come through by the lot number. But um, there, that's where you can actually get some great deals on stuff. Um, back in the day, we did this show called the Barrett-Jackson Car Search. It come on Speed Channel, and um, they got three teams. It was California, us, and Texas. Or I say us. I helped Milton, but it was mm -hmm. Milton and three other gentlemen that were doing the show but uh they were in a contest they got a hundred thousand to buy four cars like 25 a piece you got a, a wild card a hot rod a um, vintage and what else was it like it may be an import or something i mm -hmm. can't remember it's been a while but anyway you had to take and buy that car you could fix it up to a certain extent you know they made rules this, that, and the other. You couldn't buy your own car. You know, couldn't take it to a buddy and try to get this favors and have all this paintwork done and mm -hmm. everything for nothing. You needed legitimate. Because what they were trying to do is show people, hey, you know, if you do this right, you could make some money taking your car, fixing it up, 
doing it right, don't put a ton in it, but just mm -hmm. get it where it's a nice driver car for somebody that wants a nice car. And they would resell it. So the deal was whoever made the most profit won. Mm -hmm. And that was really, really fun. I think there was, I can't remember, maybe 27, 30 episodes that where they went through and filmed and done. And But we bought um, uh, a Challenger or a Cuda. No, it was the Cuda. 71 Cuda from a gentleman in town. Um, it was a nice 340 car, just your brown gold color. Wasn't that big of a deal. But we just made it like an AAR clone and a few things that we had bought from year one and some cool parts fluffed it up because if we spend 20 on it it gives us five to put into it mm -hmm. so there was like i said um if you're going to spend money on it besides your fluffing then you have to buy it less sure you know you mm -hmm. couldn't take from this car to this car you kind of pretty much stayed in that general so it was great it was fun um of course milton's team the atlanta team ended up winning in the end um now when they first did it california had won and uh, then they found out they cheated. That no. the, Matt, yeah, the Italian that mob movie yeah. uh, with the little <laughs> Mini Coopers. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They uh, they had one of those, so they buy it, sell it, and all this. Well, of course, the paperwork, Barrett Jackson. That's the one big thing. Actually, it's kind of cool that a lot of people don't realize. Like when you get ready to sell a car at Barrett, you send in your title, paperwork, everything, everything signed over to. They actually own the car. Oh really? And okay. you pretty much are. You know, at their mercy after that, because you've sent, you've signed everything over, because they make sure everything's under before they spend time, money, and effort. They're gonna make sure that car's right when people buy it. That you've got paperwork, that you got this, that, everything's done before they run it through the auction. Um, so theirs came back and it showed that they'd owned the car for like two or three years and just sold it oh. to themselves to make a deal. Because, uh -huh. you know, come on, Mini Cooper from the Italian mob, you know it's going to be yeah. worth more than 25 grand. Right, yeah. right. But, um, so anyway, that was, that was interesting. <laughs> so Milton started out with, you know, a few cars. What, what, what dictated what cars he bought and how far he went with the collection? And uh, did he just, did he do it based on values or did he do it based on what he liked or did he it's always what he likes what he um, liked. Okay. he's one of those kind that you know he's got to like it no matter if it's worth money or can make money it, in his eyes it doesn't he loves to make money don't get me wrong like sure. anybody would right but that is not his goal his goal is he buys them because he loves them mm -hmm. if he sells it later he's not a buy this and sell to make money that is not his niche his mm. is i love to look at it cars and art he loves different stuff that's why his collection is so everywhere from maybe a, a 31 hudson boat tail over here to what got you know uh the aston martin wide body or his new bentley convertible just cool stuff mm -hmm. uh the newest things that he's got now is uh he's got a few new the um the continental super sport real fast Bentleys that are incredible, right. Porsche twin turbo, convertible, GT3 con, a uh, BMW that he just bought was this X8, X, yeah, they call them the X8 BMW that you typically see on the road, but an Alpine edition is totally different. It looks like Speed Racer to me in the front, just really cool car. Um, very high dollar car, even to be a 20 year old car, you know, you're still talking $250,000, but wow incredible cool looking car that i would have never known about but he's always loved them so he finally found one he liked and grabbed it but his thing was when he started all this he was like you know 
muscle cars, I really feel like that that's going to come on. You know, that's what he always told me. He's like, you know, so he started finding those back in the eight, late 80s and this and that. And he, when we had the big auction about 10 years ago, and he sold 50 of his cars. He still has like 48 or 50 now, but he built them back up. But he got down to like 25. But he just thought, well, you know what? I'm, it's time for change. So we had a huge auction. It was televised, all the stuff. And it was the probably the, the coolest, rarest muscle out there from the ZL1 Camaros to the lowest mileage Yinko on the planet to the judges. He had the three rarest judges in the world, the 69, 70, and 71. All right. Ram Air 4 convertible. So he just knew muscle car would do it. And that's what he did. He just started finding, like he had told me before, he says, you know, you go out and buy a 69 Camaro, big block, this and that. He says, it's going to be what the market is going to tell you it's worth. But you got a Yinko over here that there's only 10 of. Or you got this car over here they built five of, or a prototype. Guess what? Now you got a car that somebody's going to want it, they're going to pay for it because there's only one or there's only 10. Mm -hmm. So that's when you can know that you have an investment of that kind of stuff versus a standard, you know, Nova or a Yinko or, or, or I mean, a regular Camaro or a Corvette. Anything he buys is either going to be a 57 Corvette. That's the um, airbox edition, the fuel-injected airbox. Right, yeah. He mm -hmm. don't buy nothing plain. It's the Mac Daddy if he's going to get it, mm -hmm. you know. Well, I remember seeing a model, I don't know whether it's a Model A or a Model whatever, Ford, with a, with a turbocharger on it. Yes, yes. Back, I mean, back in, back in that time. I'm, I'm 31 thinking. gram, it's factory supercharged. Yeah. We have wow. in the shop, really cool, all original. The blower runs off of the, the front pulley, just the neatest, cool stuff. I love that kind of things. My son, when he was born, um, we went to Amelia Islands, and they brought, like, one of the coolest cars from each generation. Mm -hmm. So he had a 53 Cadillac Barretts convertible that was built for a gentleman called John Alexander at Cadillac with a 671 blower under the hood on this Cadillac motor with the big carburetor, custom exhaust over the fenders, and just incredible piece. But it was built at the factory by Cadillac. With so a 671 blower. Blower on it. Wow. Under the hood. Under the hood. Wow. Really cool. So he's 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 picking these cars. So when you know Tim and I will talk about the auction sometimes on the radio show or, or the podcast here, and we see a you know we see a Camaro, you know that's a a one of, you know six seven hundred thousand dollars, and I'm thinking, you know what what makes that worth that, and what makes it worth that is the stuff you're telling us. If it's the one of, but there's also a lot of the, what I call the custom ones out there that are bringing that kind of money as well, and that's when you get two guys that, that have money, or three guys, whoever, and they know, you know what, if I want this custom Camaro, and I've got money now, I want something, and they know it's going to come. You know, if you want to build your own, it's going to take two or three years. Oh, yeah. To build oh, right. a right car, it's going to yeah, take right. it. Guess what? I can go out here and spend the money, and I can enjoy mine now. Mm -hmm. well, so that's, that's why yeah. a lot of the gentlemen that you see buy, I did a, a 69 Camaro convertible. We bought from a, a, a local guy that... Um, does a great job on cars, does them in his, you know, himself, his house. He just finished a Cadillac that was just incredible, and he does it part-time because he works for the fire station. But um, we bought this Camaro from him, and I took it, didn't have to paint it, didn't do things. Fit. I think I changed the seats like I was telling you, took the top off, put the heart's cloth. 
Boyd Coddington made this set of custom wheels for a 55 Chevrolet that I was building for Milton that we took on the power tour in different places. Well, it didn't fit this, um, the hub assembly. It was a real knockoff wheel. So I was like, great, you know, it doesn't fit, doesn't do. So we put them on the Camaro. So we had that on the Camaro, put a five speed. Well, we take it out to Barrett. Takes two or three guys, you know, 190,000 bucks, you know, on a regular, you know. Wow. That was a factory six cylinder, three in the floor Camaro. But it, you know, of course it was modified after that, but still now this was 10, 12 years ago. Nowadays, when you got something that's like that, it's going to cost you three to five hundred thousand. Mm-hmm. But we know that's because it cost it to do it. Right. You know, it just costs to build a. If you're going to build a car nowadays, you don't do it for making money. You build it because you love it, mm-hmm. or it was your grandfather's or something. Right. The only thing you can buy to make money on is what I consider a driver or just something that's a super nice car that it gets you around if you get these really high end it's just too expensive right you know i mean you got a car that like i said even on the low end at twenty thousand to paint it a nice interior mm-hmm. that's custom might be eight ten thousand on the low end you know depending on what they use or pick out then you have that ten thousand dollar set of wheels and you haven't even got to the motor transmission yet right well i see some on the on the earlier days of the auction we're talking before the weekend gets there and, and and it 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 tugs at my heart a bit because I've built enough cars that you know you, when you let one go it's it's you know. And I think about the Nova that you had built. Oh um, yeah, the, yeah that I know. Nova I that you built, Bud, was incredible. And and that Gen Nova I started really loving. Oh yeah. And yeah. Um, but that car, you knew you had the passion. You put that yep. detail work that. There's only a small percentage of people that really go through that little bit of work. There's shows on TV that everybody will watch, and I, I don't want to say a name because I don't want to make it look bad. But anyway, right, yeah, yeah. You, as a car builder, you're looking in the background, and you see all this overspray or bad things and this and that, and you're like, are you kidding me? Is this just for the show, or did people really think that looked good? Mm-hmm. Which my father gets on to me now because I pick his car. I pick my car. He's like, you're just too picky. I was like, I can't help it. You know, it's just my nature now. I, I wish I wasn't because I can't enjoy what I consider a forty, fifty thousand dollar car. Right. I can't yeah. enjoy it anymore because I'm picking it to death. But when they're selling those cars on on the, on the early days, you know, for twenty, thirty grand, I'm thinking to myself, that guy, you know, the bodywork on that car costs twenty, thirty grand yeah. easy, and they're yeah. selling the car for that. Right. Are, are people are people you know, it's no reserve. They're, are they willing, you know, they must be willing to take the hit. They do. And, that, you know, they sign it. And, you know, if, if you want it, you, you buy it back yourself. And you'll have to spend the money. And then you'll have to pay that 8% to get your own car back. If it's not going to bring what you don't think. And you've agreed to that no reserve. Then right. you better wow. have somebody buying it for you back. And then what you have to do is eat that percentage or whatever. whatever it's 8%, it was, yeah. I think it is. So... You you got to pay it. You'll have to get your car back. That's why I said they own it after yeah, that. That would break my heart. And there there is a lot that do it, but yeah. they take that gamble of you know maybe this is the one that's going to jump up to this you know or this or yeah. this. Yeah, um, yeah, Milton yeah. had bought a, um, a square body pickup at the auction of, uh, several months back, and a lot of people were on the line really dogging it and just oh is this guy an idiot? Is this that and the other? But it, it, it's LS, supercharged, bag, 20s, done. You know, we sit there and you start adding it up. 
Yep. And you're two hundred thousand really quick. Right. You know? So right. when you're paying two twenty for a car <clears throat> or a truck that's done that you can enjoy now, mm-hmm. you can't go build it for that. No, so, if it's done and done right. No. Yeah, I mean the high end parts. It just costs you. It just costs what and it costs. And nowadays, even finding the parts, you know, this company mm-hmm. doesn't have this, or this one doesn't have this, so you're on this waiting list to wait for a good transmission or a six-speed. Guess what? We're out, you know, yeah. or a clutch. Right. We've ran into. What's your What's your opinion of, and I don't want to name shows either, but what's your opinion of the the shows? And I mean the shows that, that build the nice stuff, and we, we know which, yep. which shows those are. They build the nice stuff. It, it irks me. I mean, I appreciate what they do. I appreciate mm-hmm. the, the talent, the craftsmanship, uh, and, and the things they do on these shows. But what irks me is we don't, we don't mention the prices. And I think that, I think that a lot of trickery cheapens the show to some extent because people are watching that and they think, well, I can, you know, I can do that in my garage. And yeah. No, you can't. And, and, you know, these, these cars are not. Most of them are not even in the hundred thousand dollar realm. They're they're two, three, four times that. Many of them go into the million dollar builds. Correct. And that's never that's never discussed on the show. There's one show that actually you know actually gives prices and stuff. But when you see the amount of time and stuff that it takes, uh, it's a it's if somebody doesn't know what they're getting into up front with a car. Uh, you know, they wind up on bring a trailer or something because they get in so deep that it's just absolutely. You know, it kills it kills the hobby to some extent. We've actually bought one car that was like that. That the, I mean, it wasn't us that did it, but the gentleman that was building the car, and then he added out at Merritt, and it was a very high end Corvette. But it was a customer's that mm-hmm. um, it just got so expensive, so overwhelming. It ended up, you know, the guy building the car ended up with the car because the guy couldn't pay. Right. Um, right. And it wasn't even halfway done. Mm-hmm. So it makes you wonder, you know, did they know or did they just run out and just say, you know, I don't know. It's really sad, really, in a way. But I've, I've, so many people have came to me and said, man, I'm going to build this for Barrett. If it's going to bring that, I'm going to Barrett. Yeah, yeah, I'm right. going to build this. And I'm right. like, there's a tree no, growing through it right you now, know, but yeah. I'm going to build it. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, um, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen like that. And you have a lot of the behind the scenes things that they don't see that it takes to get it there. Uh, if you take one to Scottsdale, it's 1500 to get it there, mm-hmm. right? You put it in on a Saturday show. If you're going inside, it's an extra 1500 besides the 550 that it costs to be a bidder out there. So you're paying the 550, then you're paying that uh, 1500 to put it on the Saturday. Then you got the 15 to get it there. Then you're going to pay the 8% to get rid of it. So if it brought, Hundred, hundred fifty thousand. Then guess what? You're you're so and so, and that really gets in the equation. All right. I mean, like I said, sometimes they win, sometimes they lose. Um, and even when Milton takes his out there and does it, he's like, "Hey, I don't buy it back. I don't worry about it. It's just you know, you hope for the best, and if it doesn't, you move on. You take your losses, and you know, I had fun with it. I enjoyed it. You know, some people don't have that luxury." Mm-hmm. But but thank goodness he does to where he can enjoy them. Hey, I don't have room. Let's take him out here, take a chance, or I may buy something out here, and it's kind of like swapping cars or something, you know. Yeah. So I haven't been I haven't been in the uh, you know I haven't seen his collection in several years. Uh, you know before he before he sold the the building and all that. Where is his collection at? I don't mean where physically is it. Where is his collection at now as far as the scope of cars? It's all over the place, actually. Um, again, he's got a little everything, from your 
factory original to really cool hot rods to some of the newer stuff, some of the older that he still likes, um, things that sometimes are just out of the blue. He'll be like, man, I bought this and this. I'm like, really? But it's just something he's always liked, and he finds something that doesn't have low mileage or this or that. He's always liked the S2000 Honda that when they came oh, out. Yeah. Never he, seen it. Yeah. he found a, a yellow club racer. It had, um, gosh, it might have 800 miles on it, if that. I didn't even know what a club racer was, you know, of those. But one comes up, slow mileage, it's just what he likes, boom, he buys it. You mm-hmm. know, something new model, but yet even though they haven't built them in a while, it's still an incredible car. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so he still, still have, he still have that little 53 Oldsmobile, I think it was, the F85 or whatever it's No, he sold that one at the auction. That now, was he does have an original car. one, but when I built that, I loved that car. Oh, yeah. Loved it. Um, one of the coolest things he just bought recently was out at uh, Barrett Jackson. Um, um, give me two seconds. The American Idol guy, um, the main guy from American yeah, Idol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, gosh, I'm having one of those moments. The English guy? Or? Yeah, yeah. The guy that does American Idol. And I can't all that. think of his name. Yeah, either, I can't. No. Oh my gosh, if he hadn't brought it up, that. I would. I could see him, but if he wouldn't, if he wouldn't so, have said American. So anyway, Idol. I'll think of it in a second. But um, he loves these cars and, and has had some built so this is a 65 mg he had it built in germany in 2019 so they found brand new mazda drivetrain six-speed mazda motor yeah, yeah. all billet stuff aftermarket suspension brand new mg body don't know where they found it i mean he had um maybe um i don't know i think the the last place i looked on the internet it said maybe 340 350 having it built and he had two of them out there for sale, and Milton was able to buy it. I mean, really cheap, and just a really cool car. You wow. Know? And, um, but Simon Cow. Sure. I Simon just got, Cow. I'm going yeah. to American Simon Idol. Cow. I had to Google <laughs> it, and I found yeah. some pictures yeah. of Simon yeah. and yeah. Uh, a, a woman driving the car, so I'm actually going to have that blown up because it's the exact same size as the window glass on the door so this way i can just stick it on there just for cool you know oh, that's cool <laughs> just for something but just a really neat car to drive that was yeah. really cool so uh, tell us a little bit about your job on a daily basis if he's got how many cars you say you say he has now we got maybe 45 to 48 uh give or take all in one place five. or scattered about mostly at the new place okay um and then we have another building that we had to purchase to work on the vehicles okay. because at the new building we didn't have a place to really do it yet and when he sold his old house and big garage and shop we had to have a place to put all the new stuff so we bought this location fixed it up and it really turned out neat um, right here in Gainesville and so we stuck them all in there and got this other place to build we got probably 10 of over there over there because we're trying to fix a few to sell because he keeps buying so he needs room yeah um what a problem to have yeah yeah he just you know hey, hey look what i found her uh, this you so, know he gets excited and that's what i love to see about him he, he gets excited when he finds new stuff or buys or does with it. everything that he's had he still gets excited over something that he that's cool gets. so you are you getting up in the morning and you go over to the new the new place and you, you do you drive a car a day do you polish a car a day do you i used to but it, it got to where um he's he, i mean he we're has, available i'm just i'm yeah, just saying he has so much going on as far as like what he does even though he's retired he owns a lot of real estate around gainesville and a lot of things so my duties not only is it to work on the cars but 
hey, we got a problem over here at this restaurant or this bank or this or mm-hmm. that. Well, over the years, I've learned so many things before I went to work for him of different things that I can do, you know, is that, you know, do a little everything, but master of none. Yeah, right. So mm-hmm. I just go and knock it out. We don't have to buy a contractor. We don't have to find this. We don't right. do I just fix it and go at it. So a lot of times it'll be that, and then I'll run over to the car building and start back on something. I, back when we had the old place, I might be bush hogging one day out there on his 500-something acres ranch and then be putting together the Hemi one-of-one, one, you know, New Yorker that we're working on. And the uh-huh. next day I might be back over here or, hey, well, they nice. need to run to Daytona and change out a car or something when he had his building there. You know, he had four or five in Daytona to build and he had there. He's got a house. So he had even a little shop there for a few cars. You mentioned Daytona, and, and I remember when Daytona got flooded, and you told me some of the stories. Let's let's run through that for a minute, because a flood isn't a flood of clean water oh, when you no. have a flood. Tell us a little bit about we what you it, went through out there. We knew there. it was coming, and um, we had, in the building, we had three cars still left. We actually had four, but one of them was new enough to just get in and drive. So um, his wife drove it back home to get to beat the storm and i went and a buddy of mine followed me so we ran down there real quick of course the way traffic was going they barely let you into the town because we're trying to beat the storm we get two of them loaded up and we're like they're not gonna let us back in so before we came we brought these wood stands that um you can build you'll see these kits where people put them up on these big blocks so it puts it like um two three feet off the ground Right. So we took this uh, made out of like Austin two by Healy, fours or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. put it up in the air, put it on them blocks, and um, of course leave. And it got right to the rocker and missed that car and saved oh, that car mm-hmm. by being on that. Wow. Um, you know, of course, I went back right after it subsided, checked it out, everything. It saved it by doing it. Um, if I would have been able to get back into the town, I probably would have dropped the car I had, went back and got it. But the way that the police and everybody was, they knew it was coming. So they're like, you, you're not going in because we got the interstate both sides going out instead of one back right. in, you know. So we're like, okay, I got to get it in the air. So it didn't turn out like a lot of these magazines where you've seen these super birds and things that when they got caught by that hurricane, um, what was it, two years ago or something? Right, yeah. And destroyed so many cars because it was such a surprise. Mm-hmm. But when you went back to get the cars that were in the shop, yes, you'd left some equipment and stuff behind, and you and I had talked about it before. What was left of the equipment and and Shot. the stuff that the stuff that would have gotten to the cars if you had not put, you know put them up on blocks? Correct. And we even did some of the equipment and some of the furniture. We tried to take upstairs, but everything downstairs that nasty water from. You got the bay that overflows because it was actually on the bay side, but the hurricane come in, filled the bay up, and then the bay water comes up. So then you got all the sewer, then you got people's cars and stuff, the gas, things that people just don't even understand when they think it's cool to walk through a flooded area. They have no idea what they're walking into. The corrosion that I'd seen after that, because I'm one of those kind of guys where, you know, I try to fix something, you know, I... I don't want to just throw away something. I'm just one of them. I just can't throw it away. I've got to fix it. So a few pieces I kept, and I said, well, if he's going to throw it away, I'm going to fix it, and I'll get it up. And wrong. 
I mean, six months time, it's like corroded shot. I mean, like eat up like if it was the internals of a battery. Wow. Right. And it was just regular water or well, we know regular flood water, water. <laughs> flood water. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, regular but it was like water. a battery. I mean, it just completely eat it. So Milton sold his home, his shop and everything to, and correct me if I'm wrong. I just read the, the local fish wrapper. The, um, Sold it to a movie company, is that correct? Correct. It was Fox had bought it, and they did that new uh, show called The Monarch with Trace Atkins, Susan Sarandon, um, Anna Farrell, I think. And then there were several others that I knew or had heard of but never rightly got to see. So when they bought it, in the stipulations, it was like they had a, a few weeks to get out of their big home, but then we had five months to get out of the car barn because there's so much to get gone. But they was like, hey, but we have to be filming. We have to be working on the house, getting it ready to do. And we're like, okay, yeah, fine. So the whole time while I'm getting things ready, I get to see these film crews and how that works. And they come in and it, it was just blow your mind. Takes, watch takes something forever, like that go yeah, on. Yeah. And, and, and to watch them take a house that $15 million home and gut it and make it look like who knows what, you know, of a house that took years to do they destroyed in a few weeks time wow and it, just silly stuff uh, which they the show is canceled now but they had a five-year contract they didn't have any pilot show first time in history now the fox is huge yeah first time in history never a pilot show or anything and had a five-year contract on that which it the show did take off a little slow but it got good at the end you know they kind of hoped it'd be like a little um what yellowstone or something right mm -hmm. but uh it it did get better at the end, so I really wish they would have kept going with it because they, they, they had to... a lot of things that they shot that was getting really interesting. It just took time to get that, you know, storyline out so there. So was it a new version of Dallas, kind of, sort of? Yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of like that. Yeah. And that's just Do you all... remember that? Do you remember that, Dallas, yes. back in the day? Yes, When I was at East Hall <laughs> with you, <laughs> <Yes>. you know, <laughs> our band was incredible. So yeah. we went everywhere, and we went to uh, Dallas, Texas one time. So once we did the Roses Parade, we got to go as a field trip to the Dallas place, which was what, South Fork? Yeah, South, yeah, South yeah. Fork, right. So we go over there and I'm like, talk about a crock, you know. JR did not get shot off that balcony and go into the pool. He would have splatted on the concrete because it was nowhere near the balcony. <laughs> you, know, you, you see those little things that the movie made it look really tricky. <laughs> right. You know? Houses no bigger than some of the houses we got right around here, you know. But uh, that was really cool to see out there so they destroyed the house i, I mean uh, the, the the one that milton lived in going back here destroyed the inside or of that changed it changed I, you it. know i say destroyed i mean they just changed it because it is back on the market you know um, oh, okay Fine. again for the same thing they purchased it for so that'd be luck there but uh because nobody has taste like milton and laclita they the things that they do and, and went all over the world finding the things that they put in there they did it all themselves they didn't have decorators and stuff the talent those two have was incredible for something neat like that for a guy to be in the food business, but yet them two can put together things that oh, yeah. would blow your mind. Yeah, I, I mean, I, just things know. that he's like, hey, we're going to do this and this. I'm like, oh, this is going to be bad, you know? Man, it just, wow, you know? So I learned to always keep my mouth shut. I've never said anything, but I mean, now I go to them say, hey, how do you, what do you think this would look like? What do you think this, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Just... So they moved into a new building, moved the cars into a new building in, in Gainesville here. That you, there there was a landmark, basically, Correct. that we Which most people all spent know a lot about. of time. And most people, yeah. uh, and most people that, you know, I guess, that listen to this, that it was the old um, 
uh, Skate Country building on yeah, Thompson Bridge. Rink, yes. yeah. And um, we got, uh, what happened is we were looking from here to Atlanta, couldn't find anything. Mm-hmm. And we had like two months left of that five month time frame. Couldn't rent, fine. Where are you gonna put 50 cars and the memorabilia and signs and the stuff we had in this, his barn that we had that in was one acre under roof. It was all hand hewed logs was the building we took it out of. So anyway, my son, we had a birthday party in Buford. Well, me and Miss Means, which is the owner of Skate Country there, we get talking and she's like, wow, why don't you just find the Gainesville location? Milton bought our old one in Oakwood. Just sell him that one and put his cars in there. I said, oh, you would sell your place? And you're gonna close down? She said, well, we'd love to relax and get rid of some, you know, we would. Monday we were there and Milton made the deal and we had a building. Wow. Wow. Pure luck, just, you know. And how, you know, and I've, I've, we've all, all of us that live in this area have been there at skate country, you know, many, 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 many times. Yeah. Was it big enough to, to put the cars in? Absolutely. I, I, I don't, that I don't big s- wooden floor and the way it's designed. Um, we, it used to, be, it's it funny, used to we, be epoxy at one time. Yes. I hated that because when you fell, you stuck. Yep. You know, on the wood, you slide when, when you <laughs> skate. You, <laughs> you'd fall and you'd stick like a frog to the floor. So they put the wood floor in. and that We was, kept the carpet there, the lighting that they had, everything. I, I changed a little bit of the lighting and added more, of course, with neon signs and the yeah, things. Right. The stereo system, the the eatery, everything's still in play. We just made it look a little different and uh, gave it a little older look to it, and it really turned out unique and cool for what it's. It worked out well for cars. Now, is it is it open to the public or is it private? It's private. It's private. Okay. Private. Occasionally, they'll have a uh, you know event with other car guys, just you know, because right. that's the kind of guys you. Well, you got a lot. kind of want to know around. A lot of room out in the parking lot and stuff. Correct. And we thought about one time ever, you know, possibly having a show out there or doing something. So Mm -hmm. we just have to take it by ear and see how the city goes with it and how we do it. Yeah. Always other people to please. Yes. What's next for Joe? I have no idea, to be honest with you. I hope that this just keeps going like it is. And uh, if it doesn't, then I don't have a clue, to be honest with you. I built a new garage at the house. So who knows? I may have to end up doing it at home. But, uh. But I just really enjoy, <laughs> you know, what I enjoy more than building a car from scratch, I love fixing one that might need a fluffing or a little change. Or I love to see that looks like this right now, and in a short period of time I can do this. You got like the that, vision. I don't like that long period of year, two right. years of sitting around and dreading seeing the same thing. And it's not because of me. It's because of who you're waiting on. You mm-hmm. know, you're, you're always waiting on somebody to do something. Right. Um, I'm a glorified parts changer. Um, you know, I, I can do a lot, but you're pretty much at other people's mercy, whether it's a chromer or a, you know, an interior guy or this or that. They have to have slots because they're busy. So you wait until they, hey, I got an opening and this is your date. We'll do this and this and this and we'll get it knocked out for you. But, you know, then you don't you throw, want it just sitting in the parking lot. So, hey. And then you throw a pandemic into it. I, had a, I had a couple of cars you know, blown apart in, in my shop and couldn't get anything for him. And there's not a darn thing you can do about it. Nobody's lying to you. And uh, you just got to wait. Yep. And, and if you're in the tell. middle of that now to finish it, you're at double. Yep. Unfortunately, it's just, you know, and you have to finish it, but all these companies are just, you know, twice as high now. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's really caused it, but, uh, but it's there and we just have to 
say thank you and enjoy our parts that we have or get right. back to the good old days right. of calling a buddy and saying, hey, what you got, man? Mm, yeah. Let's do some trading. Yeah. And I really wish it would get back to that, you know, instead of everybody buying things. Don't get me wrong. I love new stuff, but yeah. I love trading and wheeling and dealing with friends and having buddies over and swapping parts. And yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the fun stuff. You know? mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll, we'll make sure we give you our phone numbers. So if you got to exercise any of these cars, you can. If you need any help with any of the stuff you're doing, you know, I got a nice shop. Tim's got a nice shop. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep you Absolutely. In mind. Sounds great. But it's, it's, a, it's a truly a pleasure to see your journey. Um, you know, you we were always a great student in high school, always a respectful student in high school, and uh, never, never a hot shot or a show off. You just dug in and got things done. In your class, anyway, so they say. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I didn't care if you were, the, you know, and you weren't, but I didn't care if you were the biggest hoodlum in town. When you walked in the, the classroom, you know, it was you and me. It, oh, yes. You know, it yes. Was, it, I didn't care whether you didn't like English or didn't like science. Or it didn't matter. Just just come here and let's do what we do here. Enjoy it. Because people, you know, us kind get it and the rest of them don't. And let's just yeah, let's enjoy just, it and have at it. Let's yeah. let's carry on. And it's it's been a pleasure to see, you know, the way that's turned out for a lot of folks. But uh, and I, I really have enjoyed it. I, you know, it's neat seeing the even the journey that you as a teacher, you get to see the different things that you as a kid, you're always like, ah, oh, teachers does this. This is all they do. Mm-hmm. But then you see a guy that was your teacher, and he's dealing with these NASCAR guys, or these guys, or these right. guys, or he's up here with, you know, maybe top field dragster. You never know where he's going to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's just neat to see you in it's the crazy. different places that you get to go. You know, it's yeah, it's a blessing as well. Can, yeah, it is. And I, I you know, my, my sons will tell you we couldn't go to a race with him because we'd never see him. And, and that's true. Once once you join the circus, you're in the oh, circus. Yeah. Yeah. And once it's, you're in this, this circle of folks that you're in, you're in for good. Yep. You can't get out. <laughs> so. yep. That's why the wife does not like to go. She's like, when you go somewhere, yep. you know, everybody yep. pulls and does. And then I'm just standing there and I'm like, sorry, I don't mean it. But, you know, you got to, you know, you got to be there and mm-hmm. do your thing with the buddies. Or they want to talk about this or check out this. And that's why we go because we love it, you know. Yeah, well. Uh, great to have you here. Are you going to come back and tell us some more stories? Yes, sir. More you Sounds got, great. I know you got more stories to tell. We didn't touch the surface, have we? No. <laughs> Joe Steinmetz, what, what is your official title? Hey, boy. <laughs> hey, boy. <laughs> you know, if you know Milton Robinson, you know, he's just one of them, you know, just, you know, if you knew him, you didn't know he'd have money or whatever. He's just like, hey, boy, come here and do this. Hey, boy, hey, come here. You know, it's just mm-hmm. so everybody's always asked me. I said, like, hey, I'm just, hey, hey boy. boy. Hey, hey, boy, come here and do this. A man <laughs> outstanding yes, sir, in his it. field. There you go. No problem. Joe hey, there. I'll take it. Here at Bud's Garage Overdrive. What a pleasure. Um, just, just great stuff. Every week, Tim, we talk on both the radio show and the podcast here about year one, the classic car restoration Experts, classic mm-hmm. muscle cars specifically. Right. You know what they offer besides parts and, um, and you know, doodads for your car? I don't want to say doodads, but parts, things to update your car. Right. Okay? Right. You know what else they offer? What? what? They offer advice on where to go with your project. Mm-hmm. You know, you have to do things in a certain sequence sometimes. Well, sure. they know the ins and outs. So what's what's not in the catalogs uh, that used to be printed and what's not on the website is the expertise of the people that you're talking to on the phone. They have probably built a bunch of cars 
or have been around a bunch of cars being rebuilt sure. where they know you know, what's going to work, what's not going to work, and to guide you in the right direction, and maybe to even help you order the parts in the proper sequence. Right. You know, you don't need a pile of parts when you're starting with a car. Sure. You need the parts to come to you progressively. And if you sit down and do some planning and find out what they have available, what's in stock, what's hard to get, that, that type mm-hmm. of thing, it can help you with the success of your project turning out. Because, uh, you know, if, if you've got a car down to the bare bones, you, know, you don't start by ordering the upholstery first. But you would be surprised how many people oh, do that. Yeah. And as the project evolves, things change, and your ideas might change, and you might want to change the result of the end product. Well, and, you know, we've talked about digital dashes and stuff that are available for your car, your muscle car from year one. That's something you want to plan ahead of time. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to make sure that you've got the area for it to put it in the car, what's available out there, how it's going to hook up to your engine transmission uh, combination, those types of things. Right. And, you know, they can they can help you walk through all of this stuff if you do some planning. They know, you know, starting at A, you're trying to get to Z, and they know how to get you there. Yes. To check out not only the parts, but check out the expertise of the great folks at year one, the classic muscle car restoration folks. Check them out at yearone.com. Okay. Time for thank yous, Tim. I'd like okay. to thank Jacobs Media. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Bill Wilson. Oh, yeah. Bill's on the other side of the bench there. He does our production every week. And we like to produce it in the studio to keep the sound quality uh, at its highest level. Right. And they provide this awesome studio for us they to do. work out of. I know the talent's not always at the highest no, level, but no, the studio no. is. So we, we, try to, uh, we try to uphold the standards of the studio. Of course, year one, classic muscle car restoration, folks, Lanier Technical College, mm-hmm. where you can train for a career and not just a job. Right. And Concept One Pulley Systems, the mm-hmm. Red Brothers. Man, they do a great job of you know, putting the accessories on in the front of your engine, getting them mounted, getting them fitted. Uh, the way they need to be. And our guest, Joe Steinmetz, keeper of the Milton Robson car collection, or as he calls himself, hey, boy. <laughs> Next week's guest could be Johnny O'Connell, winning race car driver. He's won the Le Mans, uh, 24 hours of Le Mans four times. Wow. Uh, he's, he's had the most starts of any road racing driver mm-hmm. in history, and he's in the uh, Chevrolet Corvette Racing Hall of Fame. Okay. Well, Johnny O'Connell, and he's got stories to tell. I can't wait to hear them. It's going to be great fun. Folks, if you want to listen to the radio show, Bud's Garage, it's on terrestrial radio at AM 550 FM 102.9 WDUN. There's an app there called Access WDUN that you can go to and stream the show if you'd like. Of course, you can go to all the podcast sites mm-hmm. and get both this podcast, which you're already listening to, and Bud's Garage. And... Uh, Get even more informative automotive buffoonery. We thank you for hanging out with us for for the time we had today and look forward to next week's show. We'll see you then. Until then, keep between the ditches, shiny side up, and have a great week. <laughs>